Now activating the Beast Node, hosted by Travis Lochner. Are, Are you ready? ready? If you listen and take action, the following few moments may change your life. The world needs you now more than ever. Yeah. What do you want to be remembered for? What is your true purpose on this earth? You were meant for greatness. Does this hit an emotional chord? Yeah. I can help you change your future. Have a greater purpose in life. Your soul is screaming for you to answer your true calling. Initiate upload to listener in three, two, one. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, we got another beast in the building. He is a former college and pro football player. Made his way through the Steelers, the Bucks, the Redskins, if I'm still allowed to say that, uh, and had an ad- admirable journey since then to become a successful entrepreneur and elite coach international public speaker, best-selling author, a fantastic father of three, and if that's not enough for you, he was also an American Ninja Warrior winner. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Trucks. Welcome to the show. How are you, my man? (sighs) That's the crowd going wild. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm enjoying my day. It's it's a Friday right now we're recording this, and I'm having a good day. We had a good little hiccup with the audio, but it sounds buttery now. It's all buttery now, bro. It is is so buttery. We are all good. Uh, Glad we ironed that out. Uh, Would love to just kick things off uh, as you're in your awesome little setup over there. What are you most grateful for right now? What was the Um, first thing you were grateful for today? The, today that I was grateful for, man, I got up and I I, uh, I got I had grateful that I was able to have the means to help my pastor do some things at the church, mm-hmm. so that was good. So I was able to get up and do that. Besides that, I mean, I'm grateful every day for the crazy people that live in my household. These these broke roommates that I call my kids, and uh, <laughs> and all the people in my house. But no, man, I'm I'm incredibly grateful for all the things I was blessed to be able to work incredibly hard to earn. Absolutely, man. No, it's been. Uh it's not surprising to hear that, yeah, gratitude and that that sort of outward mentality is is top of mind already right out the gates for the start of your day. Um, seems to be a common thread among among high performers. And that's yeah. what we're here to unpack today is you're clearly operating on on a higher frequency and would love to get a, a lifestyle download of what exactly is going on over there. Um, yeah. And maybe we can just step into a little little time portal. To see where this started. Where did this oh, yeah. all begin? I know you've had a very interesting, non-traditional upbringing from the foster system. And yeah. then, obviously, a journey uh, all the way through to the pros. But there's a lot to kind of connect the dots between those two moments. So I'd be very curious to hear, what do you consider the first or earliest moment you can remember that set you on this path of where you are um, today? It's interesting. When we think about set, I think there's uh, the perspective of like the positive catapult, right? But I don't think that was the one. I think it's one that just makes you have to pivot for some odd reason. So my first memory would be the first one of life was uh, my mom calling me out to the back of our house and, and pretty much giving me this strange woman. And it was essentially me and my three siblings being placed in the foster care system. So I started life by like not not even mattering to my own mom. And so we went to this whole crazy world of of like beatings and starvation and torture and craziness, really craziness in the foster care system. So um, those will be the first moments, memories that set me on this crazy trajectory. But I would not say that we started on the on the way up. It was definitely a starting by going down the valley. Wow. Yeah. I uh I knew knew in your experience, your current interviews and everything that that transition happens, but you mentioning now that that's your your first memories really sets yeah. the context of that and just really gives yeah, we we see a wide range of where anybody can come from to go land in any lane. And yeah. what I'd love to tap into is the first transition or pivot mm-hmm. point as you're yeah. growing up, you're, you're going through the foster system. Mm-hmm. Are you discovering football? Are you discovering p- your passions? How, how yeah. are you starting the transition of figuring, figuring this whole life thing out? 
Yeah, man. That that's so the first real good pivot and transition was like not till fourteen, but it was because okay. the build up to it sucked, right? So, at, you know, at six years old, I've been through three years of a bunch of crazy homes. I end up in this family, which is my family this day still. But the unique thing is, I'm the only black person in a really poor all white family. So I have this really dumb joke that I grew up poor white trash. Just it's a dumb joke. Um, but I, we, my family got a bunch of jokes in it, man. We're just who we are. And so, you know, I did. I watched a lot of my classmates go and play football, and I couldn't play. So every Friday they have their jerseys because they're going to play on Saturday, and they come back Monday talking about it. And, and I got to sit there, and I'll go out to the recess and smash these kids, but I couldn't play. And I couldn't play because my real mom wouldn't let me play. She had what's called parental rights, so she can make choices on what I do even though she doesn't live there. So she kind of just made life uh, suck for a while, I guess the best way I could look at it. But then at 14, something different happens. So eight years in this crazy system, she's just emotionally just ruining me for a lot of years. Um, Cause you're a little kid, you know, and you want your yeah. mom around and she makes up lies about where she's at and when she'll be there and when she's gonna get you and you're gonna go live with her forever and da 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 da. And so by 14, I was like, yeah, I'm done doing, doing all this. Uh, Cause this isn't cool. I seriously, up until the age of 14, every time I would talk to her on the phone on wet the bed that night, and I don't even know what it was. Like, it was just wow. this weird trigger. Four, mm -hmm. Remember, 14 years old, man. I went to this girl's house, which she took me to Disneyland with her family. And it was just like a friend. And I remember, like, I came back and I wet the bed in her, like, spare bed and, like, didn't tell them. You know they found out. There's piss in the yeah. bed. Everybody knows. Yeah. But, like, they never said anything. I was, I still knew we were in high school. Damn. I still yeah. would hang out in high school and never said anything. I'm like, this little Peabody kid. Respect. Anyway, so. Respect. Yeah, this was weird. And then what happens at 14, I get to stand up in front of a judge and I look at my real mom and I, I pretty much tell her, I no longer want you to be my mom anymore. And I sever parental rights. And then this is the big transition is I now got to go do this thing called football that I'd never been able to do. And, uh, and yeah, that was a big kind of like, you know, precipice of a moment of like, wow, I get to go be a little free. And I know now that this pillow I woke up on is the one I get to go to bed on tonight. It's the first time mm -hmm. in my life I had that really, that stable feeling and knowing for sure I'm not going to be shipped out, taken somewhere else. So it wasn't until I was 15 that I had any base of stability of just even knowing like this is my true home forever. Wow. Man, I simply have to love it. And knowing where where that sent you, um, I'm glad you had the courage to be able to to get through that moment at such a an intense age, like 14. Good Lord. Yeah, um, every emotion you could imagine is is amplified. Um, so truly impressive that you were able to discover football. And that sounds like that was, yeah, your, the first chapter that really sent you uh, on, on a positive trajectory from what I can see on the outside. So yeah. it sounds like around 14, 15, you had this discovery in early high school. Mm -hmm. So who... Who were you in high school? Were you what? Uh, what was your uh, high school stereotype? <laughs> I was. Oh, well, I mean, first off, I was garbage at football. Uh, <laughs> most people don't know this. Interesting. So yeah, it's, right yeah. out the gates. No, uh, most people think like, oh, you're you NFL. You must have been great every time you touch the field. Nope. Uh. Uh. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was bad my first couple of years, real bad. And then in high school, so my first year of football was the year before I played in high school, and I, I mean, I was not good. Just period, wasn't good. The next year. I tried and I was a little better, but still sucked. But here's the unique thing. So I had grown up in a pretty non-diverse area at the time. So when I grew up in like elementary school, no other black kids in the school or my class or anybody. So I was always getting these racial conversations with some of the kids in different classes, but you know, we, I'm the only kid. So what are you gonna do, right? It's just, it kind of sucked. And then I also had like, this is weird dynamics of, uh, so, so I talk like this. And if anybody's watching and doesn't know, like if they just pick it up, they'd hear me and they'd be like, oh, it's a white guy. It just, it's just, it's because I grew up that way. It's not that there's anything wrong or bad or, you know, it's just the fact that I, I talk in a way that I was around, you know, the people I was around growing up. And so I got called Oreo all the time in high school. It's like, oh, black on the outside, white in the middle, look at you, ha, 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 ha. And so, uh, so I had the Oreo thing. I didn't fit with the black kids because it's just this weird, you know, dynamic. And mm. I didn't understand the culture. It just was awkward. And I also, all my best friends from middle school, they went to a different high school. So now I'm like starting fresh. I'm trying sports. I suck at sports. My adoptive mom gets diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Uh, I'm one of six in that family. My older brother was like my dude and he goes off to the militaries and the Navy. And so I'm just floating. Wow. My dad's a guy that works like he's literally 4 a.m. out the door and he's back by like six or seven asleep by like eight or nine back at it, just grinding um, and taking care of my mom. It just is a really interesting tornado uh, at that moment in my life. And so 
as much as I would like to say like, oh yeah, it's a big precipice moment. Like it wasn't until everything legit sucked that anything started really to be good. And it actually, there was one moment when everything turned. And, mm. and what happened was I was sitting in Mr. Howell's English class, which was a portable in the lower levels at a high school. And he was, you know, this dude that was like a borderline hippie. We shared the same birthday, good dude. But he's like, hey guys, I don't care what happens this year. As long as your homework's done by the end of the year, like you get an A. Like, so <laughs> if you don't turn anything in, then drop a stack on my, on my desk at the end of the year, like you're good. I was like, all right. So I just didn't do anything. And I remember I was sitting in this class and I had checked out. Because for me, most people don't know this, but statistically, if you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. Uh, if you look at our homeless population, 50 plus percent of the population has spent time in foster care. And less than 1% of us foster kids ever graduate from college. So we are not wow. set up statistically to do well at all. Like it's just not in our, it's just not our thing. And so for me, like that's the path I was heading down. And I understand why I didn't make the choice. I didn't know those numbers. But you have this sense of, man, I don't matter. I didn't matter to my mom. Like everybody in my family is all, you know, crazy. You're, you're just in a, a torrential world. Everything's just throwing you around. And so I'm in this class. This girl is talking to another girl. And they're on the right side of me in this love seat. I'm in a desk, face down, park over my head, eating a bag of cinnamon toast crunch cereal because I'm just like checked out. And these two girls are talking. This girl, man, she wraps this, this gift up with a bow and hands it to me. And she doesn't even know she did. And here's what the bow in the gift was. She said, mm. the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. Now, Travis, this is not a monumental statement to any means, but here's what it was to me. I was given the gift of hearing my stupid excuse out loud. And most mm. of us don't get this gift. I mean, if you, if you thought about like, I need to get a workout today. And then you get like, if, if you out loud said, oh, I can't because my shoes are on the other side of the house. How dumb would that sound? Like get your butt up and go get a run and do like, I can't because this TV show right now is really engaging my, my, my brain. I don't want to leave a TV show, bro, shut up and go, you know, work out. So we don't hear the, the excuse out loud. Cause when you do, you get to hear it. It triggers. And it's like, oh, wow. For me, I'm like, do I want to be a bad dad and a bad husband and just a bad dude and be bad all my life? Because of this thing that happened to me, I had no control over. And that was the, that was the moment, man. I remember when, like, it, it un, unsettled me inside. I went home and I had this mirror in my bedroom that I would look at when I would brush my hair because back then I had like waves, you know, because black guys do that. We brush our hair to get waves. So you get, you get seasick looking at me. You ain't got waves because you're bald, but you know what I'm saying? So... You got, I, I would brush, I look at myself, I stand up and I look in this mirror and I tell myself to my pupils, I say, you're going to be great. And it's, it's super weird. If you think, if you were like a fly in the wall, watching them, some like 15 year old little scrawny black kid talk to himself in the mirror, it's probably kind of a weird thing, but I was like, you're going to be great. And it was this, this affirmation of myself that it, I don't know where it came from, why I did it, but it was just this natural feel of like, that's what I'm going to do. And then my thing to be great was football. And that put me down a whole new trajectory of how I would kill myself every day just for my own personal pride to be great. And I showed up the next year, I was a monster on the field. And it, it just, it transpired into something that you see standing and sitting here in front of you now. There it is, the flip, the flip. Yeah, something in there switched. That girl yeah. probably has, has no idea no, the gift that she, that she gave you. Um, and I don't even know who she hearing is. that, and that's just uh, just hearing that moment is so powerful because that's all it takes is one moment for that quick shift. Um, yeah, so brilliant that it sent you on that that path path to greatness because I I think everything I've seen from there uh, sends you to college football at University of Oregon. Go Ducks. Uh, that was uh, your, the first thing I saw. That where you're 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 everywhere online. <laughs> it's your, yeah, yeah, I'm all is over playing the place. for the Ducks. Um, so, would love to hear, yeah, just a little bit about that next pivot from where. Yeah. What's the transition from? I want to do this internally to, I need to put in the work and get this done. You obviously crossed the threshold to, between amateur and pro. What, what did you do? What were you thinking in that next, that next transition? Yeah, so the next transition, so you go through high school, uh, and, and there's a lot of transitions. I guess the, I'll, I'll pull it to the end when, when football became the, the thing that ended. But yeah, go through college football, got a scholarship. 
I go to EO College, have my son at 20 years old, and you know he's, he's two, 16 now. It's crazy. And, uh, and then I end up going to meet my real dad in that same year, and then I progress on playing the NFL. And the NFL is this thing that for a lot of years, and I say a lot of years up until like three weeks ago, I've tried to, to not anchor down on, because I don't want to be seen as like the, this, the football guy who can't live down his football years, because not me. Like it's not, it's not at all who I am. And uh, I've ran from it for a lot of years, let's say, in just in discussion. However, as of recent, I don't know why all of a sudden now, but the conversations have come up. Like, you do realize that the reason that we respect you is because we understand that it's not an accident you played the NFL. Like, most of my clients are like, yeah, the discipline that you exude and show, we know it comes from that. So that's one of the reasons why we, in fact, like you. And so I was like, wow. So people don't see me as some dumb jock, you know, talking about the game, but they see there's a sense of strength and expertise from that. I was like, oh, dude, mm -hmm. wow, interesting. And so uh, I go through the NFL and I learn a ton. And I, I think those were those developmental years of me as a man, right? So from college to the pros, I learned the foundations of how to operate as a human, how to be able to be in really difficult situations consistently and find joy in them. Where most people shut down, I find joy. So if I do that thing with joy that you hate doing, who do you think is going to win? I mean, me. <laughs> and it's not even like I'm Love better it, than yeah. you. It's just that, like, I don't. So, yeah. So somebody says something crazy. Okay. Like, get up and go again. What do you want me? Yes. Yeah, so someone said they hate my video. And <laughs> I, I don't like my video either. Like, it's, let's keep going, you know? Uh, and so these things that most people get stuck on, I never do. And so my, my, I got out of the NFL and these, these lessons are inherently in the background. By the time, I don't notice them. I have no idea they exist. I, you know, it's just this weird kind of dynamic. And so I end up coming out and I have this massive identity crisis, dude. I, mm -hmm. I have this point where like, okay, football's gone. And that was all I was for 12, 13 years of my life. That's who I was. And now that guy is done. So everything I've worked for is out the door. I'm now entering a world behind my peers by like eight plus years because all my teammates, if they, if they had gone to the game or, I'm sorry, high school people had gone to the, the work world, they're already out there doing their thing. I'm way behind. And I mean, unless someone's going to pay me to run down the street and tackle people, like what am I, you know, I got to find a real career. And so I, I lose that, that identity there. I ended up trying to find it by opening a gym. My degrees in kinesiology. So I'm like, let me open a gym, train athletes, you know, lawful idea for a pro athlete mm -hmm. to do when they're mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. So I get into fitness and that's good. But then I have no idea what I'm doing in business. So I'm just living there 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And that thing is never making any profit. I'm barely getting by. Nine months in, I'm looking at possible bankruptcy because I couldn't pay bills. But being who I am, I did figure it out and I, I grit and I grind to get it done. And, and, but I never really got up to this precipice. At the same time, I'm not a present father. We have two more kids. So now I got three kids and my wife's at home by herself with newborn twins and a five-year-old by herself, craziness. And I'm just at the gym working away, you know, I'm gonna make this thing mm -hmm. and it's never working. And then my, my wife ends up having an affair because she had no husband home. And I get why, I don't, I don't condone the choice, but I understand at this point in my life, I understand that it took two people to feel like she even, like to get her to a point of feeling she needed to make a choice. And she didn't do it to hurt me, she did it to serve herself. Uh, and then on top of that, like now I'm out of shape. And I, I, my body's, you know, I'm wearing these hoodies and cover them up. Dude, I was in this, this rut, like a massive rut. And at one point I was like, if this is life after football, I want nothing of it. Like if this is what I'm gonna experience in, 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 behind like this massive pinnacle, this sucks. Why am I going to, why would I want to do this? And I legitimately one night drove off and said, please tell my kids who their father was. And it was after like this, this massive moment of fog. Cause it wasn't like all this stuff happened at once. And it wasn't like I was thinking about it all the time. Cause what we really typically do is we go into what I call a fog. And it's like, I go through the motions and like, I think back on the time now and I can't, I can't, I can remember when I was three years old. I can't recall those times because my brain was so scattered. I was just focused on what's in front of me and who this person is. This stuff hurt. I didn't want to experience it. And so I'm just in this massive fog. And that fog lingered for a few months. And then this, I was at this UFC fight and a buddy like noticed me just, just stuck and said something. This wave hit, sent the text, um, drove off. I think it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I just ended up like parking somewhere and letting it subside and going home. But like it started this weird kind of upshoot. That was a slow upshoot. It wasn't like this, you know, hockey stick. It was like this, you know, I don't know, this super slow, like the climb of probably stocks over time, like it's not shooting up. And what happens is a buddy, he plants this weird seed. He says, dude, first off, don't you ever do no dumb stuff like that in your life again? I was like, you're right, my bad, right? Second, he was like, I thought I lost a hero. 
And I was like, what? You're a hero, bro. I played high school football with you. What are you talking about right now? And he's like, no. Like At the end of the day, our community, people know what you've gone through. They know what we've seen you do and what you've aspired to, what you've accomplished. Like, dude, you're employing me. as a buddy of mine. I employed him. I had a job because of you. He's like, you were an inspiration to a lot of people without even knowing it. And at this time, it wasn't this thing I'd thought about, but it was like the seed he planted. Because it's like, okay, if I did this on accident, if we accidentally were helping people, what if I did this on purpose? What if it was like a, a purposeful choice, right? But I mean, I'm still in this place where like, I want to be here. So I'm not, I'm not going to go like, hey guys, here's how you live your life. You know, that was not the time or the place to be doing it. So I, I was in this fog again for a couple of years, like two more years. And then my mom, um, April 15th, 2014, I'd gone through divorce. I'm separate. I'm trying to figure out life. And, uh, and yeah, my mom passed away. And I'm literally in the room and I'm holding her right hand as life leaves her body, dude. It's one of those really interesting, you know, mortality moments. The crazy part, like she was 47. I was 30 at the time. Oh my God. And so the realization is like, we could be here less time than we've already been here. And it already feels so fast. It's a just hearing this now, as I say it, every time I say it, it settles me a little differently. Because we could be here short, short amount of time. So her body robbed her of the capabilities of living an amazing life. It just did. And, and but the thing is, is, not only did I have all the statistics from before, but I'd now had a business that at this time had been around for four years. So I beat a ton of odds, you know, statistically there. The NFL, like 0.000001 or something of, of humans or football players get a chance to play. And so I get to this moment of realization of like, man, the reason I am who I am is because this woman, man, she unconditionally loved me. Like she did so many things and she couldn't fulfill her potential, but she allowed me to. And I was not her blood. I didn't have any, she had no reason to deal with this crazy little bad black kid breaking stuff in her house when I was there and like just causing a, a, a ruckus. I got arrested when I was 17 for doing dumb stuff, but she was always mm -hmm. there even while she was sick. I was like, you know what? There, there's gotta be something that I can pull from my life. And that seed my buddy had planted, I was like, now it's time to, to start watering this damn thing. And I believe God opened up two months later, this really weird window of time. So June of 2014, um, my gym leases up. I can move where I want to. I get a, a $150,000 contract to go do some consulting work that would cost maybe 20 grand and I would only have to do it for three months. And I happen across a guy named Brendan Burchard who teaches you how to be able to make something out of this crazy thing that is your life. And I'm sitting in this the audience and I'm like, okay, let me just co-listen these people jump around because it's my backyard and I happen across it. And like, I'm like, all right, I'm closing the gym. I'm gonna go do this thing. So from like mid 2014 on, I'm like, I'm in this world. I'm in doing what I do now. But here's the thing. I wasn't doing it the right way yet. And there's a reason why I wasn't. And I didn't know it till like 2016. So I'm out here talking and sharing and trying to figure this thing out. I'm no expert in anything. I'm trying to like talk about hustle and teach people stuff. And what I find is I'm, I'm still in a funky place. My relationship situation, I'd never navigated that. I was still a, like a not a present father. I was kind of up and down with my weight. I just, it was all, I'd had girls that would be girlfriends and they'd be, just would get weird and fall apart. And I just, man, I wasn't, I wasn't the guy yet, right? I was just kind of figuring out. And I remember I had this money and I had this time, like I'm gonna go do the Playboy stuff. And I'm a man of faith. And like, this is the first time I kind of drifted from my faith and I'm multiple partners. My phone's always blowing up and you think it's cool. And then I find it's incredibly empty. It's very difficult. That's not who I am. And after a couple of years, I had been traveling like to Russia and giving presentations. Well, I go to Russia and meet this woman and I can't even speak English. And I don't, I don't speak Russian. Like, I don't, that's an interesting language. <laughs> so we, I get there and like, it's a super, like for a week, just this like physical relationship. And, and then I come home and I'm keeping in contact. She flies over and New Year's and I'm hanging out with her. And I remember New Year's Day, I wake up. She's an awesome human, nothing wrong with her. But I wake up on New Year's Day and I realized like, I'm with this woman from a different country who can't speak my language. And this is just, it's a sheer lustful situation. And I remember I get up and I go in the bathroom. I was this little like studio thing. No studio, it was a little townhouse. And I go look in this mirror. Now it's interesting because the man looking back at me in this mirror is different than the man, kid I was looking at 15 years old. Mm. See that 15 year old, he had hope in his eyes. He had a chance to do something great. And the man I was looking back at was not the man that that little kid was hoping he'd become. I was, I was in a place where I realized like, I would never want my daughter to be with a man like me. I'd never want my daughter to see me like this. I'd never want my boys to be like this or see me like this. Mm -hmm. My mom be turning her grave right now. The man that she helped raise was not the guy doing this. And at the same time, my God would never let me into his home. And it was this really interesting like wave of shame. And 
it allowed me for the first time to, to see the holes in who I was and really own like, dude, you kind of suck. I was the common denominator in all my crazy parts of my life where it's all going wrong. I was, you know, training people and spending more time with other people's kids than my own kids. You know, I wasn't this guy that could navigate a relationship. It was everybody's fault. And so dude, the next 10 months was a tear. And what I did is I, I pretty much got, I swore off women. I was celibate besides lotion. I just hang at the house. I sat on couches and stared at the walls. I had a lot of cry fests. <laughs> deep, hard conversations with myself uh, and apologized to my kids. I apologized. I, it's interesting. My wife, ex-wife had an affair and I apologized to her. And it wasn't to condone her actions, but I apologized for being the kind of guy that didn't realize what pain she was going through and, and became part of what aided her moving towards a direction of trying to seek out the connection that I vowed I would give to her. So like that was my fault to, to not be there, right? But it wasn't her choice, her choice. Um, I apologize to my kids. I, I, like this time, like I had this gym that I was still running, but I wasn't present still with them. If that makes sense, I'd be there. And I'd, sure. But I, I was trying to be with women and stuff. And I was like, I apologize. I'm not the dad I promised I would be to myself. And so I had conversations with people that had wronged me. I even had a conversation with the guy she had an affair with because it was a guy I knew, right? Had all these deep things. So 10 months later, uh, I kind of, I circle back to my faith and find Anthony again, and I'm centered again, and I'm doing the right work is the best way to explain it. Cause I'd been doing work, right? The, the, the books and the, you know, go to the seminars and do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was all just to feed the lustful part of me. It wasn't me really doing work. And most people would be like, I'm doing the work. I've done the work. You ain't done the work. If you don't have the things that you want, you don't, you haven't done the work. I'm sorry. You've done some work, but if it hasn't drained you and, and pulled you apart, you haven't done the work. And so what I found was, well, I'm doing this work. On the flip side, my wife, ex-wife, she had got to the point where like she had had moments where like she was running amok and going crazy because I was shaming her. I mean, when, when somebody does you wrong, you shame them. So every time they try to do good, you keep shaming them. You keep putting a board over this mm -hmm. plant trying to grow. And I kind of was like, you know, I apologize that it took that board off. And I think it gave her space to grow. Her brother gave her this book by Joyce Meyer. She says one day she mm -hmm. woke up on a Sunday morning by herself, hungover, no friends, no kids. And she's like, I'm 30. This is not supposed to be my life forever. And in her own time, in her own way, nothing to do with me. She found her God. She found our God. She, she grew as a human. And then it was like August or September of, of 2016, after I've been doing my work, she'd been doing her work. She's like, hey, I want to take the kids away from this crazy town because we live in a small town. Everybody kind of knew everybody, right? So you knew what's going on. And so she's like, I just want to get away. And I was like, cool. I was talking to a girl still, like actually trying to have a real relationship. And so we go on this trip to Costa Rica and it's like three weeks just tucked away. And I'm still talking to this woman every day and no big deal. But then here's the thing is in between, you know, we have dinners and we have, you know, at the pool in front of the little place we got. And I start having conversations about our life. And in the past, it'd been crazy and emotional and sporadic. Mm -hmm. like, what do you do when, when you've been with somebody since you're 16? Like, you know, they're triggers. Oh, yeah. And dude, the best way to explain it was, I got to meet somebody for the first time that I'd known for 16 years. And the dynamic of it was weird because I'd known her, but this wasn't the same her. Just different sense of respect and strength and, and like she'd taken care of herself. She'd, she'd done the work. She did the work, you know? And so we come back and like, uh, it was, wasn't like there was no us together, none of that. It was just a getaway, come back. We were, we were friendly is the best way to explain it. And I think what it turned into was... Uh, I'm about to go on a date. And she goes, uh, hey, I just have to tell you, I want to try this again. I was like, well, I got a date tomorrow. What are you doing? She's like, I know. I just, I prayed on it. And I feel like if I don't say something, uh, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. It's like, whatever. No. And then I went on the date and it ruined the date. So I was like, but this is the woman I vowed I wanted to marry and she'd be there. And, and now she's here. And if she's really here, do I want to be able to do, I want to regret for the rest of my life that I didn't try. And so man, we went home, we tried it. And now we've been remarried back together for you know about four years now. Uh, world is vastly different, dude. We get to do amazing things together. I have zero trust issues. I don't even know. That's not even a conversational point I bring up. There's this different sense of connected because we've gone through crazy. Um, our marriage has massively been restored. I'd put it, I'd go through the same stuff 10 times over and then I get what I have now. My family's intact. My kids are here. My house is nice. My, my career is clean. I've, I've done the work so much so that I had to figure out what work I did, if that makes sense. I went back and realized that th there was a conversation I had in like 20, it might've been 2016, the end of it or 2017, 
And I was sitting in this room with some guys and they were, we were breaking the stuff down. It actually was Brendan Burchard and Dean Graciosi and I think Lewis Howes and Trent and um, this guy named Ethan Willis, Jeff Walker, mm -hmm. Russell Brunson. These yep. amazing minds were all just kind of out there in the woods in Wyoming having a, a, a chat, eating cookies. And, and it's everybody's turn, like, tell your story, what you're doing. So I tell my story, I've told you, and my company used to be Trust Your Hustle. And the guy goes, uh, I don't like it. And I go, what do you mean you don't like it, man? He goes, I don't like it, Ethan. I'm like, Ethan, what don't you like? He goes, well, there's gotta be what's called the message and messenger. He's like, there's the message and it could be a powerful message, but wrong messenger, it dies. He says, then there's a messenger, wrong message, it dies. He says, trust your hustle, it's quippy, it's cool. He's like, I don't see anything really, but he says, I wanna know how did you navigate all those parts of your identity without falling apart? There's football players who, have, who never make it past the football, the business stuff, the relationship stuff, the childhood stuff, mm -hmm. the parental stuff, the diversity stuff. It's like, dude, how, how did you get through it? How'd you get in this room? You know, like how did, and, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Literally didn't realize it. And so it, it made me unpack. And the idea was like, dude, figure out this identity thing. No one's really unpacked it. There's a lot of habit conversations about who you become, but no one's really looked at the depth of it. So I was like, let me go see if there's stuff on it. And sure enough, there's tons of studies, right? Mm -hmm. But no one's brought it to the forefront of like the applicable world. And so I, I, I tell people I have this really interesting relationship that was unintentional with my identity and, and how I navigate it. And so when my, my world opened up and I fixed this relationship, I crossed some finish lines, which I realized I can then go back and if I can figure out how I crossed them, like what's the science of psychology and neuroscience behind it? How does our brain work? What did I accidentally do that somehow made it come to fruition? Like that would be beneficial to people. And so I came up with this, this company that's wrapped around identity shifting and I call it the shift method. And it's not just me talking through stuff. It's very specific actions that are tied to things that people have studied that allow you to, to understand like it's about not just trying to do certain things. I was trying to do things, but I wasn't becoming that man yet. I wasn't doing the work, right? And so when I look at what I do now, it's always going back and saying, first off, this is my way that I get to give my mom's memory on to unconditionally love on this world in a way that was, you know, that was meant to be in, and shit doesn't make sense. People that I don't know that I, like, I don't know you, right? We don't know each other, but I'm, I love you as a human, dude. It's because it's, it's just, you're a human. And that's enough for me. If, if I can hate somebody I don't know, I can love somebody I don't know, right? Mm. So there's, there's a sense to like how I show up and want to. And then a lot of people want to help people, but don't know how. So my how is understanding how I get you to go back and realize that one, like I had to shift my identity. That's what I did whenever I, I, that whole January 16 on, like I've been shifting continuously. And I have realized like that there's specific actions and habits that you must have intention around. People understand habits are a great life-changing thing. Ton of science behind habits, but no one's talked about what are the right habits. You can say I should exercise. Yeah, you know, obviously it's gonna be right for the body and can, you know, kinesthetically we'll call it health-wise. But what's the right thing for you if your marriage is falling apart? What's the right thing for you if your business isn't working too well? What's the right thing mm -hmm. for you if you don't love yourself too much? You can't just adopt, I can't adopt all of Travis's habits and expect my life to be great. I gotta know what mine are. And I gotta understand that yes, the habits will make you become somebody, but who are you becoming? And I think the, the simplest way people can grasp that they've already done this, this is not something new. You've just been doing it unintentionally for the longest time and haven't been achieving much or whatever because you haven't really done the right work is, you ask anybody who's successful, I don't care who you are. It was James Carroll in 1865 wrote a book by a little girl named Alice who was in Wonderland. If we're all Alice in Wonderland, there's a statement that happens when she comes out of that Wonderland and she's in a different, better place again. They say, hey, what, what was it like back then? And she goes, it's not even worth visiting. I was a different person back then. Every successful person that I know, if you ask who they were when they were unsuccessful, will say, oh man, I was a different person back then. Now they don't say I had different habits or different mindset. They say I was somebody different. What does that mean? It's not, it's right there in front of you. The person is who they are at their core. It's their identity. And when you understand that you've been already doing this, but you've been doing it without intention and there's parts of your identity that you can actually should target and understand specifically and then kind of adjust like a thermostat, dude, life changes intentionally. So like the world we're in now with this crazy COVID, 
you can adapt to this amazingly if you understand what, what parts of the thermostat need to be adjusted. And so my work has been rooted in, in taking people back and unpacking all these things. Not like heal your inner child stuff, but like, let's see what you do. I want to see how you operate. Like, I'm a football guy, man. Like, I, wanna, I got a playbook. I need to execute the playbook. It's not all, you know, mushrooms and, and sit on some Zen diapers and poop here while you float. You know, like, it's, we got to do some work. But for me, I'm like, if I realize that I'm going to get this stuff transformed through my actions, I'm going to choose actions that help me achieve but at the same time, they should be ones that help you transform to become that person, not stay who you are and try to do that thing or do that thing and not own that it's who you are. Because mm. if you do it and don't own it, it feels like a fluke. You feel like an imposter. And that's a problem for a lot of people. And so, man, the, my life has been this weird up and down crazy. I haven't even told you probably... I've only maybe 10% of the craziness of what's going on. Oh my gosh. But the root of it is like my, my sole purpose for being here right now is to teach people how to be able to shift their identity through understanding the background work they got to do. So they do something that's, that's friggin' unbelievable for their life. Ninja it's, warrior, NFL, it's not supposed to happen. Yeah. So how do I get someone to have that version of that success in their own life? And it's, it's recognized, man. I, you, <laughs> you dropped so much there that first half I mean you practically ran the first half of the show without me having to do anything everything I wanted to ask about those powerful pivot points you went into it and the 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 key key point here is it's not a, a single lane that you're just set off to go on, go on forever yeah. it's continuous mindfulness and decisions and habits and skills and the consistency as you mentioned the work if you don't put yeah. in the work, uh, then you could study every habit, every habit you want, and world. it's not going to do anything. And yeah. yeah, that's what's really drawn me to so much of your voice and your message is this focus on identity, because that's yeah. where it starts. If there's no technical, doesn't matter. You could have all the technical skills and gears and other hurdles that people say they is their excuse. Maybe until they say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what you've really done a phenomenal job of is diagnosing and treating the, the source, not the symptom. So many p products and coaches and things out there are treating the symptoms. And yeah, what are. you're putting forth out there in the world is what really needs to happen internally. Yeah. So this is a, a perfect segue into the second half of the show where I'd love to upload your legacy, your voice, your strategies and systems mm -hmm. into the listener's mind, into the world there. And just starting with the closest we can get to a, a secret recipe. Uh, could you share a specific strategy yeah. or system or process that has changed your life yeah, that we I can tap into? Many, many of these, my friend. So I'm going to go to the one that'll be useful right now for people. Perfect. So let's think about it. The, the, the work that I do is not just, uh, I think there's a, it's a problem in our industry of people that are joyous, have had tough stories and didn't go back and unpack the lessons that they can teach. They'll unpack a lesson and tell you, but then you're still left to your own trying to figure it out. Like, hey, you should go get a, a new bumper for your car. Like, how do you put that on? What kind do I buy? Do I got to get the paint? Like, there's way more to do. So I'm going to tell you the specifics, right? So um, there is a destination. You got to figure out that destination. I don't know what it is for you. We do this in our work, but we're not going to unpack that now because I think that's something that people can do differently. Um, also, there is, in fact, a path to get there. And that GPS path, if you're thinking about sitting in a phone, uh, the path can only be structured if I know where I'm starting, right? Mm. So what I want to talk about is how you can figure out right now where you're starting. And there's two mini frameworks that one's a little bigger than the other one, but I first want to have this concept as a quadrant. It's based on, I call it the ID phase grid. It's where's your identity right now? And so the first thing is realize that you're always either searching for who you're supposed to be or you've locked into who you're supposed to be. If you're searching, good. If you're locked in, good too. So here's how it looks. If I look at somebody who has not searched and they are not locked into an identity, they're lost. This is a person right now who's just, they, the life sucks. I was not locked into my identity once football was over and everything hit the fan because I was like, all right, well, I'm not gonna search for anything because I don't know what else there's to do. And I, well, I wasn't the football guy and I wasn't the husband. And I, everything was gone. I was lost, I was dark. That's why I wanted to, to leave this planet. Then you have people who have not searched but they've locked into an identity. 
And this is the person who took mom's job, dad's job, because we do this. We're all shoemakers, right? And it's difficult because you're like, I don't love this, but I guess I got to be a doctor because I'm a Vietnamese. That's what we do. I don't know. I'm just making something up. But you know, like there's these certain generations and then they just do certain, I think it's, I think it's uh, Indians that they're like, they're like doctors, the big thing, right? And so like the family did it, but I may not love it. I'm just doing it. I don't love it, but I'm doing it. I didn't even get to go search and explore. And what do those people do? They get to the end and they have midlife crisis. Ah, freak out. What do I start doing? I start searching. They unlock that identity. They start searching, right? And this is people who are open. I love open people. These are the ones who like, you know what? I am, I don't know who I am yet, but I want to go see what the world has to do or has to give me. When we're kids, we have this vision that's wide open. As we get older, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter until we're looking at a scuba goggles. You know, like we just don't, we don't see anything but what's in front of us. And so what happens is open, the searching gets you open to start seeing the world. You go skydiving, you take trips. People say, oh, they're tripping. No, they're doing the right thing. <laughs> They're going to see the world, right? And then what you do is you say, oh my gosh, I happen across, I love jellyfishing. I want to be a jellyfisher. And then what happens is now you lock in and you're found. And to find yourself is what people talk about. I got to go find myself. Yeah, find yourself. You're found now. But then there's another stage people forget and they miss out on. You find yourself, you do this thing, and then all of a sudden you're used to doing it so long that you slide into this part where it's like, uh, I feel like I'm locked into this again. How do I feel more open? And then they have guilt because they don't want to go back and tell their friends, I want to try something new. I've been a doctor, but I want to go do the speaking thing. Like, so they, what they do is they just trudge along and hate this. The ones who are great, they open. I got a buddy, Dave Hollis, who was a Disney CEO, or not CEO, but Disney executive, mm-hmm. making stupid money, doing great things. Work with, he's put Marvel movies in the theaters, working with all these different stars. He's worked with Disney's child. He's been with Britney Spears. Like, dude's a beast, right? And he gets to the point, he's like, I hate this job. Like, but I, what do you do? Hates job. What he did is he opened himself back up. He unlocked, went back to searching, found something new. He's doing great stuff, right? So this is, first off, somebody listening right now, you got to figure out where you at. Have you locked in? Are you lost? Are you open or are you found and maybe found that needs to open back up? That's the first piece. Once you know where you're at, now you got to figure out how do you operate? This is the second one that is unique. It's a separate framework, so don't tie it together. Separate one. This is more of the not so much where are you at or how do you, like, who are you? But it's more of the, how do you functionally operate? And this is what it is called slower go. Now, the slower go quadrant is unique because you have to determine, do you slow down when things happen or do you go hard when they happen? And they're both happening in opposition or opportunity. So if I'm a person who goes slow in opportunity because I'm scared of it and I go slow in opposition because I'm scared of it, I am a person who is a dreamer which means I'll tell you all the stuff I'm going to do, but the moment that rubber hits the road, oh, I don't know. What if I do this? And what if I, opportunity? Yeah, but I don't don't know if I'm prepared for it. I'm not the right person. So we dream all day long, no action. Then you get a person that says, you know what? I I go slow in opportunity because I'm I'm leery. What if it goes wrong? And I, I second guess and it passes me by. But what also happens in opportunity, like I go hard in opposition. This kind of person is unique because what happens is they don't seek new opportunities because they want to protect what they've already got. This actually happens to be what's called the defender. And this is a person who is like the undefeated boxer. The company's going great. And they've already got some success. They're going to defend that. So don't you dare try to poke holes in this. But the Mm. idea of an opportunity taken on, man, what if they get exposed and they can get hit in the chest again and die? So what they don't do is pursue something. They defend what they already have. They stay stuck and stagged and they slowly die. Then you get a person who says, you know what? I'm going hard in opportunity. I'm chasing everything out there. But the moment something happens that's difficult, they shut down. They slow down in opposition. This is the dabbler, better known as the shiny object person. I'm gonna go try this new thing. This is great. And all of a sudden it happens. Oh, this hurts. I don't wanna, ooh, right? And we shut down. And I've been there too, and we don't do anything. And then the person that's the one I love is the one that's a doer. A doer is unique because when opportunity hits, they tackle it because they know that if they hit a problem, they will overcome it. When opposition hits, they tackle it because they know it creates opportunity. Doers, they spin. Now we are different levels of doers. Some areas of life, we might be different. In my relationship, I might be a dabbler. In my business, Mm. I might be a doer, right? But here's the unique thing. Doers are different. They have multiple levels. And this is one of you guys trying to figure out where you're at. Maybe you're like, I'm a doer. How come I don't have millions of dollars? Here's your answer. So there's multiple levels. There's different, say we're all going to go from California to Florida right now. We're traveling across the country, bro. I don't know, we're going to get there. We're going to get a chug along, we're going to get there. 
And what ends up happening is now in my life, I have to determine how am I going to get there? I can walk, I can ride, I can do all these different things. And what it typically turns into is I can be a walker, a person who walks along and I get there slow to the far side because, you know, I, I'm self-powered. It's just my feet. I don't want insight. I don't want coaching. I don't want anybody's help. The second person says, you know what? I want to get a little bit inside. I'm going to read a book, but not tell anybody. I'm going to watch a YouTube video, but not tell anybody. This is a writer. They're, they're self-powered, but they're going a little bit quicker. But it's still going to take forever to get to Florida. Then you get a person that says, hey, I'm going to go ahead and invest a little more. I'm going to go to a seminar. I'm going to go and read a book. I'm going to get a training. I'm going to do something, right? I'm just going to go in and get the information go on my own. This person's a driver. Now, there's mm. not only self-powered. They've taken other insight in to get more help to go somewhere. They get, they're driving is the best way to explain it. But on the way to Florida, they still got a, there's roadblocks. There's stop signs. They may get stuck at one. The car could break down because I don't have any more tools and tactics, right? I got to buy more programs. They get shelf esteem. I buy it. It goes in a shelf and I don't even use it, right? <laughs> then you get the person who is another level. This person is what I call a pilot. Now, a pilot says, I really want to be great. I'm going to invest more time, more money than buying a, think about it, to buy a car and, and get a car license to get a pilot's license and a pilot, right? Mm. To, to plane, different investment level. But this is getting a coach, joining a mastermind, getting in groups. This is you investing at a higher level that allows you to get above the crowd and remove the roadblocks. You fly there quick. These are the people who are the ones that you see that are making six, seven, eight figures consistently, right? But then you might wonder, well, where do you put all the other upper echelon people like The Rock and Kevin Hart and Oprah? Well, they're astronauts. These people are so up above watching it all that what you're doing is chump change to them. While you're trying to go to Florida, they're like, no, 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 I'm going over to Australia. There's something bigger and better there. And they got the means to go in a damn jet plane and then go up in outer space and fly there. So if you're wondering where you're at right now, people, this is it. And I'm realizing I got like five minutes, so I don't, I don't want to take too much time. But, uh, but yeah, that's if you're sitting here figuring out where you stand and what's going on, that's the best place to start so you can figure out where you're starting and then now you can start charting that GPS in between or come find me and I'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> no, that's truly, truly brilliant. Uh, everything I can see from the outside uh, is just unpacking to an even amplified level as you unpack the layers that are underneath. Yeah. So as we uh, yeah, approach the end here, would love to give you the opportunity since it's extremely relevant segue right into exactly what you do. Uh, how can people get started on this journey of the proper, properly named identity shift? <laughs> yeah, identity shift, man. Well, there, there's three levels we go through in the process. And to be honest, man, it's, it's a matter of where somebody comes in, where they're at. And the way you do it, just reach out to us. My team is phenomenal at taking people through what's called a clarity call just so you can get some clarity on kind of where you're at, what your needs may be through some, some questions we ask. But the reality is, man, we just we help people go to the background and figure out what are the actionable stuff they must do, the habits, the actions, the reactions and drivers they must install into their life that are specific to them. And how do they keep them consistent over time so that they become easy, becomes who you are and success becomes second nature. When you're at that level, you're moving. We got clients that go from like 3000 a month to 40000 a month, not because of any new strategies, stuff they've already got. But we teach them how to better run their life and operate smoother because your identity is who you are. You're not thinking about who you are or what you're doing. It's just the things you flow through and that's the make or break. It's not the information. It's what do you do with it? And mindset's great, but when you hit the wall, like things suck and there's no more tactics and mindset affirmations, mm -hmm. the identity kicks in. And that's what's gotta be in place because when it's who you are to keep fighting, you fight. It's the difference between like, I, I'm trying boxing and damn it, I'm a boxer. If I get punched in the mouth and I'm trying boxing, I'm getting off the mat. I'm getting out of the ring. If I am a boxer, it's a different it's a different push. I get up and I'm punching you back in the mouth. I'll figure this thing out. And not enough people realize you bought the gloves, you got the shorts, you got the cool little boots on. That's all the information you bought. But when you get in that ring, you get punched in the mouth. If you don't understand to the core how to become a boxer, you're going to get knocked out or get knocked out of the ring. So if you want to figure out how to be that, reach out. That's what we do, man. We have a blast doing it. Men, women, executives, moms, dads, business owners. If you have an identity, it will help you. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, anybody looking to start this journey, Anthony Trucks on all social medias, he seems to be present. And what's the uh, site you'd like to anybody to check out to start that adventure? Uh, just go to anthonytrucks.com, man. You can find Perfect. what I do over there. Super easy. No, it's so brilliant, uh, and I think it's it's so relevant for a time like this. Um, before, and before just dropping into our last question, I just yeah. briefly need to acknowledge 
you as an individual and the empire you're building, the voice, the mission, the message from top to bottom uh, is just truly impressive. Uh, Thank you. And I've I've <laughs> been watching from afar and yeah, having this moment of being able to kind of finally connect with you and take things further has really been awesome because there's a moment in your story of your shoulder injury and mm. that transition from athletics and it so deeply resonates with me and sent me on my journey, being able to find my identity. So yeah. the value of this, this isn't woo woo who whatever stuff. This is truly, yeah. truly valuable stuff you have to find inside. Uh, and with that said, uh, thank you so much for joining us and would love to just give you the mic for as long as you'd like for this final moment to share your Beast Mode monologue. Can you share any uh, yeah, yeah. final words? Uh, final man, words. Final words. If I was to have the last, the, the last moments to be able to share with you is this. is uh, There's going to be a lot of things you got going on in life, and I don't know what they are, uh, but I guarantee you this. You woke up today with something heavy in your heart. There was something that, that pulled at you a little bit, something that took a little bit from you, that made you get out with just a little bit of a half step, and it didn't make you want to jump into the, to the next stage of your life. And here's what I'll tell you. When that thing wins, when that thing becomes the, uh, the aspect of, of your like demise, it's going to suck. And here's a question you have to ask yourself at every single moment of your life from here forwards, and it'll separate you to take it to the next level. And here's that question. When you get out of bed, or something starts, you ask yourself, what would the person who has everything I want do right now? Now that person, I'm talking about that they have the car, they have the money, they have the house, or they have the joy, they have the peace, they have the, the career, they have that thing that you want. How would they handle this moment right now? And if they would be the ones that sit back and go, ah, I don't know so much, then you know, by all means, do what they would do. But I guarantee the person who has what you have looks at what you're doing right now and says it's not enough and do more. And it's not a decline or, or, or a mark on you to say you're a bad person. It simply means level up. And if you're open to that, if there's some part that's like, you know what, I do want that more, pull a little bit more out of yourself. Because at the end of the day, you will always get what you fight for, period. Like it's just going to be a matter of what you choose to show up and fight for. And if you don't choose to fight, then you should pretty much choose to give up what you got. Because I tell my kids this exact same thing. There's going to be two things you have to do with whatever dream you have in your head. You have to either get out of your head the dream or get into your head what it takes to achieve this dream. One of the two. When you get up in the morning, you ask that question, what would this person do? And if you know what they would do, get into your head what it takes to do that and then own that. And here's a cool thing. It will not be this hard forever. It's not going to be this enduring for the rest of my life and years I got to grind like this. No, after a while, this grind becomes easy. It becomes normalcy to you. And people come and go, how do you do so much all the time? You know what? It's just who I am. When you get to that point of falling in love with this craziness and ugliness and you create over time, I'm telling you, it becomes this precious joy you love. And then for you, success becomes second nature. Mm, I love it, man. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Trucks. End audio experience. You're a beast.